last time on Write or Die. Hi, I'm Clarabel Ortega, the New York Times bestselling author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. No laughing! <clears throat> <laughs> and I'm Kat Cho, the New York Times bestselling author of the Gumiho Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom. And this is Write or Die. I like I swear I had to force you guys. I had to force Clarabelle to do the intro this way because they refused to acknowledge their accomplishments. It's like some real talk, which we love on this podcast. <laughs> God damn, that triggered me. Oh no. I, I, I still do that. <laughs> That is how I write as well. Like right now, that's why it takes me so long to do everything. We've said it so many times on this podcast. I mean, we say it depends all the flipping time. And it's because advice should never be generalized. In terms of research, when when you do research, you want to make sure that you're looking at the good and the bad of every kind of publishing. <laughs> I love this. I love this positive self. I know. I'm really it's trying here. Cute. It's our final episode. I know. I really like it. Yeah, it's just it's it's just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and like we've seen various times where like personal issues have played out in a public uh-huh. way and been made to seem as if it's this huge problem and conspiracy mm-hmm. um or bullying or whatever yep. when in reality it was just two groups of people who didn't go along with each yeah. other. That happens a lot. Like we're making the book community seem really scary, but this is a reality. Like this is No, this is life. Watch happen. This is not just book community. Yeah. The yeah. only reason why everyone is like, oh, YA publishing, Kidlit publishing, you guys are so messy is because you're seeing your audience to it all. It's happening in public. Yeah. I, I mean, there's pros and cons to like the pu- public persona of the author. And and it's it's very messy and it's a new thing. It's like a new thing that we've had to deal with. And I still don't know actually how to deal with. And I've always, always, always gone to like more experienced people for advice on this and this is actually yeah. perfect because there is some really good advice that sj jones sometimes known as jj gave on the podcast and if you guys haven't listened to the archive of publishing crawl podcast it is such a good master class in everything to do with the business of publishing the craft of creating your story um you know it's 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 just they're Kelly Van Sant, S.J. Jones, they're amazing people um, and creators. And so I definitely would recommend that for anyone who needs a podcast to listen to after this one, even though it's older than this one. (laughs) It is really great, though. It's one of my favorite podcasts. It got me through so much. Anyway. What I had wish I'd known before I started, before I became an author, was the separation between my public self and my private self as an artist. And I think it's increasingly difficult to do that maybe in this age of social media and this idea that you have to be constantly accessible and the the boundaries between your public persona and your private self become incredibly porous. And I think you need to maintain a boundary in order to keep creating. I don't know if it because the biggest, the biggest issue I had with Shadow Song was being unable to shut out the voices of other people who had read Winter Song. Mm-hmm. I did not have the advantage of being able to write book two before my first book came out. So I was writing book two after my first book had come out. 
So I had all these competing voices in my head, uh, people who liked the romance, who didn't like the romance, who liked my main character, who didn't like my main character. And, you know, this feeling that I needed to be constantly accessible or please my readers or whatever really was starting to mess with what I wanted to tell in this story. And it was only after I shut that out and really stayed honest and true to what I wanted to tell in this story was that I was actually able to finish it because there were points where I genuinely did not know if I was going to be able to finish this book. So I really think that that's it. I think keep cherish a part and keep a part just for you and keep a part of your art just for you because once it's out there, you don't have any control. You don't have any control over cover distribution, reception, marketing. You don't have control over any of that, but you have control over what you want to say and what you want to explore. So I think that's probably the advice I would have given myself. I mean, truth bombs everywhere. Yeah, We had really smart guests. We have like the smartest Mm. guests. (laughs) Ever. Um, Yeah, that is 100% true. I think that that is also... It's 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 a little bit of what you were saying before, right? Which is like I got so much from Twitter, so I'm like hesitant to say I would change anything about how I grew my platform or how I engage with people, but a hundred percent I think I would have held back on things, um kept some things closer, mm-hmm. if only to protect my own mental health from the pressure of people waiting for things and for the pressure of people sort of like expecting more from me and also like because I was so savvy on social media people often forgot that I was new at anything including like my own publishing team oh gosh (laughs) no I'd be like I've never done this before and they were like we keep forgetting that you're like a fucking baby author and like you're new because you've been around for so long and like that's like the dangers of fake it till you make it like sometimes Mm -hmm. you fake it too hard and people start really believing that you know things that you don't know yet Mm -hmm. um and it's important to have those explanations and people guiding you in the beginning but um but yeah for sure i i think i definitely would have pulled back and like let myself work on my own for a little longer um rather than inviting people into sort of like every little process yeah agreed I mean I think it is also like it's hard because there's this giddiness when you're first perceived right like oh they care enough about me to pay attention to what I'm doing like that's so exciting that means I matter um which let me just say I'm saying that with so much sarcasm you guys like you don't only matter when you are perceived by other people but I a thousand percent get why people feel that way because I felt like that a lot of my life and I am unpacking that constantly now but yeah like you get like really excited and and you might even feed into it at the beginning you might even be like yeah yeah yeah. oh and I'm eating a sandwich right now you want to know what the sandwich is like like well okay okay let's talk more about like the random innocuous things I'm doing because I'm in the public eye and this is so exciting and then you realize that a you don't have the bandwidth to be doing this constantly and no one does 
and B, not everyone's going to be nice to you when you're being perceived in public. And and oh. it's human nature for us to kind of like dwell on the negative ones. Um, and, and it happens so quickly. And the fall happens so intensely. And, you know, add in like all of our cocktail of mental health issues that have only been exacerbated by the fucking pandemic. And it's just, it's not great. And so I, I think it's totally fair to take JJ's advice from Jump. You don't have to even have a book deal yet. You don't have to have an agent yet in order to separate what you're willing to put out there for what you want your author's career to become versus what you want to keep for yourself. Um, yeah. One thing that I did for myself was I created a separate Instagram because I decided not to be posting family photos on my author mm -hmm. Instagram partly because I have very young nieces and like they don't they can't give me consent oh yeah it's totally fine if like thousands of people see my face all the time and comment on my dress you know like that's not fair to them it's not fair to my sister who never asked for that either um, so I just wanted a place that was just like you know for me and my family and like the random people I went to high school with who still follow me on my private Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. And I, I really do think that um, I would sort of try to also cultivate things that are just for um, you and that don't have anything to do with like writing or your, you know, outward facing persona. Mm. I think for me, it's just looked like pulling back. Yes. Um, mm -hmm and not sharing as much not posting as much mm -hmm. um i just feel more comfortable that way and like the thing is also like the more the the more well known you become the more people dissect like anything you say to the point where like <laughs> the most like bland tweet can become like a source of like discourse and it's hard to deal with that transition of like i'm i was so used to being able to like yell into like the void and like just say whatever i wanted and whatever i was feeling and like i'd get like a handful of interactions so like literally i have to be careful with what i say because it could turn the tide of what everybody in my community is talking about that day yeah and that's annoying and i never want to be the source of that again of like I started a discourse like god help me no <laughs> yeah no it's it's too much it's like and and when it gets to the point where they're dissecting what you didn't say right like how come mm. you're not commenting on this thing you commented on that thing that happened last week why aren't you coming up to this thing does that mean you don't support this thing like yeah it's just it can be a lot and and i and in my mind of like wanting to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, I get it that like this subject is the thing that's really important to you and, and you're so passionate about it. And this person that you're focusing on is a voice that you've always respected. And that's why their silence or their random offhand statement like seems to hold more weight with you. But like, I guess this is me just like begging for a little bit of grace and a little bit of understanding. As long as someone didn't actually directly overtly say something hugely problematic i do think that it's interesting too because you mentioned fake it till you make it and it's so funny because i was i was i'm in this discord where we're talking about like how you can do self-promo and how you can like 
make it like so that even if your publisher is not supporting you that like you're doing something for your book and I use the term fake it till you make it and I didn't think anything of it right and then Mm -hmm. I heard this clip from Lee Bardugo's episode and she gives it this perspective that I thought was really important to talk about so I, I really wanted to play this too and sort of also understanding that I think something and this is something I've talked about on Twitter a little bit is in some ways I feel like um, some of us did too good a job of of faking it, of, of pretending that um, particularly the early years of our careers were smooth sailing. And I think we did that because we, we wanted to look successful and we wanted to, it's like, you know, they say if you encounter a mountain lion, just look bigger than you are. Um, and I feel like we were all encountering a mountain lion and trying to just seem as big and as important as possible. And I think the only problem with that is I think it gave some young writers a really false impression of what um, those early years are like. I did events on my first, um, you know, I only did group tours um, for the first couple, three, maybe three, first three years of my career, my first three books. Um, and we did events with Fierce Reads tour where I swear there were maybe six people in the audience, you know? Yeah, I know. And those are the ones who don't take a picture of for Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, like go way to go leave for like going there and like being transparent about it. I I think, I don't think anyone really would blame, blame anyone for making your books seem bigger than they are because this industry is a place where like, it doesn't support something unless it's already proven it's successful. Um, yeah. So in order to like kind of, so you're like, well, it's not going to be successful until, unless you support it. So then you have to fake that it's successful to get the true meaningful support. I mean, that's what, that's what publishers do all the mm-hmm. time, right? They're like the next big thing, according to you. Yeah. Like who chose <laughs> this? Publishing it. Who? Yeah. <laughs> no one's read this yet, buddy. How do you know? But like, I think that like Lee, point of being like wanting to take responsibility for buying into that you know mindset and then and then the fallout of people believing that people really do make it immediately you know um and then feel like shit when they don't make it i think that's fair i think that's a fair discussion to be having i think it's a responsible discussion to be having um and and i really i'm very grateful for lee for saying it on the podcast um, I I feel like it's such a complicated issue though, because it's not like it's not like one way is better than the other, right? Right. Um, and I think that that's why I've always sort of my counter to me sort of hyping up my books as much as I have is being transparent about things, mm-hmm. you know, after the fact, right? Um while I'm promoting, you know, my books, I'm not going to be like, and this is how much I did versus my publisher this week, because, you know, I'm not writing like status reports for people. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, like, I've sort of told people like what I've been through in blog posts in in podcasts, like I'm always really open and transparent about it. Um, And I think that's really all we can do. Um, Sort of saying like, hey, this is what my journey looked like um and for witchlings you know i've said various times i got way more support for witchlings and there was a huge push behind that book and lots of money behind that book and you can see the difference right um Mm -hmm. 
no matter how hard I worked on Ghost Squad, what I did could not have compared to what Scholastic did Mm -hmm. for me. Um, At the same time, the push that I did for Ghost Squad helped in so many ways because it opened other doors for me. Um, And I think the one thing that was hard for me to deal with is people saying Ghost Squad was overhyped when... Mm. I was the one doing all the fucking hype. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Place. Are you? I only saw it a couple times. I only saw it a couple times. And, you know, listen, <laughs> readers have the the right to say whatever they want about any book. Like, it's within their right. Okay. But if I'm getting tagged in something, yeah, then, yeah I'm going to comment on it. Um, and these were things people tag me in. Like, this book is overhyped. And I'm like, you know, it's me in my living room, right? Like, that kind of annoyed me because it was like, I don't have a machine behind me. Like, I don't... Like, yes, Classic was there, but Ghost Squad was a small book. Like, it came out during the pandemic. Like, it didn't have, like, a huge marketing budget behind it. Um, It was all me trying so hard to make people pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, people saying that <laughs> when it's, like, me making it. fucking graphics on Canva <laughs> is, like, really funny. I'm still not over um, it. That that's... <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I, I you are such... You're so nice to be like, they have a right to say that if they want to say it. But, like, for me, I'm like, what? (laughs) It's just hard, right? Because, like, as marginalized authors, we get so... We get so little sometimes. Like, there's so much that we're, like, have to do for ourselves. And, um... And it's like you're, you're working yourself down to the bone to, like, make just anybody pay attention to your book so that you don't completely fail and you can like maybe get health insurance one day mm-hmm. and then people are like I don't know this book is kind of overhyped <laughs> I guess I'm like really you, is it? okay I guess did, I guess that means I did a really did good job because good it was <laughs> you did the work of an entire publishing company I guess it's like people saying Right now, there's a there's been discussion on TikTok like, oh, authors shouldn't be on TikTok because it's a reader space, and it's like, what do you want us to do? This is our career, and sometimes, yeah, and sometimes like, there are no boundaries on the internet. It's not like a map. Like, I'm crossing over into a reader space literally unless it's Goodreads. If I'm on social media, unless I am literally engaging with your post, Mm -hmm. I think that it's so unfair to ask. sometimes social media is all we have like if it's your blog fair that's your blog i respect your space in that but like i mean you don't own tiktok there right even if it's your post like i understand your post yeah i won't comment on it to like to like engage with those things but to say we shouldn't be there at all is kind of weird to me and it's it's so unfair because it's like we we can't win Publishing is mm-hmm. not supporting us, so we try to support ourselves and push ourselves on social media, and then readers tell us that we shouldn't be there. So it's like, I guess I'll just starve then. Oh. I guess I just am not allowed to do the only thing that I have left for me. Oh. And that's really, you know, I, I, I didn't obviously feel like that about witchlings at all because I had that support but Mm -hmm. there are tons of people who social media is literally all they have their publisher is doing nothing for them Mm -hmm. and like I need people to realize that authors are not rich (laughs) sometimes we're so many of us are literally poor that to be like you shouldn't be promoting this product that you worked so hard on and 
is your only source of income or like your main source of income is just kind of cruel to me yeah I, I yeah that's so I didn't know that I I mean I guess good for me that I like am so checked out that I didn't even notice that I don't know um I'm gonna I'm gonna like just cherry pick something you just talked about for my next sure. transition which is TikTok um and I just I have two quotes for this one so I'm gonna play both of them for you Um, because they kind of they they're kind of saying the same thing one from someone who is like more amateur at using tiktok and one from one of our guests who is i don't want to say a tiktok professional but like she has like almost a million followers at this point that's that's a professional that's a professional i mean blue check mark right i don't know i don't know yeah um okay so the first is from the lovely victoria aviard um and then obviously you've already guessed it the second one is from alex astor but i think that's part of I, I, there's been this influx of course we all, we've all seen it of authors on tiktok and some of them are like, oh, they clearly enjoy TikTok and clearly enjoy book talk and mm-hmm. like it and are picking up on what this is for mm-hmm. um, and are making content that is really fun and informative and also just cool to see. And then you have people who are like, all right, they're very like, how do you do, fellow kids? And they're here <laughs> to try and sell you a book. And that's fine, too, but it's not going to land in the same organic way. If you don't understand it and just don't don't understand it, not in the sense of like you don't know how to work the app. I mean, like don't understand like why people think certain videos are funny or why people think certain videos like go viral or something. Just you don't have to do every single social media. I don't really understand Twitter and I don't have a big following there. So I kind of just leave that alone because I know that I'm not the best person to try to build a following there or that people even want me on Twitter. I think that you're not, not everyone has to be on every single social media platform. So I think that's first. I think a lot of people feel a lot of pressure, um, especially authors, like feel pressure from their publishing houses to be super active. But TikTok in particular takes so much time. Like, it's not like you're just posting a photo or posting like a tweet. It takes so much time. Not that those are like invalid forms of expression or easier. It's just the time suck. Like Twitter, if you're really creative and you're good at writing, you can you can write the tweet. But a video, even if you're really, really good at making videos, it's always going to take a really long time because you have to search for the audio and you have to search for the trend. And in um TikTok takes a really long time because you to be good at it you have to like be on TikTok you can't Mm -hmm. just decide to dip in once every month and then try to make a video like I'm on TikTok every single day not necessarily for my enjoyment but I'm like scrolling through trying to find like the trends the audios um and if you're off of it for just like a few weeks you kind of feel lost when you go back again you're like what are people talking about and the trends move so quickly that every single day there's a new thing so if you're not willing to put the time in and more importantly if you just don't like it like don't do that to yourself (laughs) because um it really is just not not worth the um investment oh boy oh boy yes Um, I mean, I think they were both saying very similar things, right? Like Victoria was like, people mm-hmm. can tell when you're being fake on social, doing social media promo. And, you know, Alex just went a little bit more into detail about, you know, the, 
um, the mechanics of it. Um, I agree. I mean, I don't necessarily have any commentary on that, except for I totally agree. And I guess like my commentary would be like about your about any individual's um, mental health is like, don't stress yourself out with things that, you know, are not going to are not going to bring you joy or make a difference. Yeah. So I think the thing that people lose sight of over and over again is that being good at social media is a it's a literal skill Mm -hmm. it's a it's a skill that you can teach yourself and that can be taught but it's not something that you are inherently going to be good at just because you open an account Mm -hmm. and um i have a lot of feelings Mm -hmm. about people saying social media doesn't matter um it makes me very cranky when people say that because like yes maybe it does not matter to you but that doesn't mean that it cannot be a useful tool for others and I think it's important to sort of like always start with the with the with the very very real truth that a publisher is always going to be able to do more for you mm-hmm. but if they are not doing anything or not you know moving your book forward um, sometimes being on social media can make a huge difference and like there was a tweet as early as like i think it was like last week or the week before where someone was saying it does it's like social media doesn't matter it doesn't move the needle and i think that there's a certain comfort in believing that that's true because if it's true then it means that you can't do anything to make your book do better and you can take that pressure off of yourself but i think a more accurate statement is social media can help authors who invest the time and have the skill to make it work for them. Yeah. And if it doesn't work for me and if I don't enjoy it and if I don't have that skill, then it's not going to help my book and that is okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot more nuanced than social media doesn't matter. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Which is why it's not the popular thing to say. Um, and it's also kind of like it makes people bristle because then it's like, so you're saying I can do better if only I was good at this one thing, but it's not that simple. It's not just like you can turn a switch on. It's like Alex was saying, it's an investment of time. Yeah. It's an investment of energy. Younger authors tend to be better at it because they've been on social media the entire their entire life. Mm-hmm. There are people who are just good at making video who have a certain skill set. Um you know like drawing or cosplay or video editing or whatever that helps them be better at it you know some people are just naturally funny and charming Mm -hmm. and you can't expect every author to be everything and I think that's really unfair to put it on their plate yeah but I also think it's unfair to deny a whole group of people who have been making social media work for them and saying you know it doesn't matter and it's like okay so then what so then so then what are we doing here yeah it's i mean why are you here every day it's less like it doesn't matter and more like if it's really bringing you more pain than positive then it's okay for you to just move on yeah for sure like i think we need to hold publishers feet to the fire because at the end of the day authors shouldn't be the ones who are like bearing the brunt of this you know of like not getting support it's unfair for publishers to sign a book and then do absolutely nothing for it and it happens so often and that's not an author's fault you know Mm -hmm. but i think that to deny someone like alex or like chloe gong or sharon 
who have made incredible strides in their careers Mm -hmm. in part because of how incredible they've been at social media is really unfair and disingenuous and sort of like gaslighty. <laughs> like that didn't really happen because it didn't happen for me. Therefore, it couldn't have possibly happened for you. No, they're really good at TikTok. They're really good at YouTube. They're really good at making videos and like engaging audiences. It is a rare thing. It's not something that a lot of people have, mm. but it can make a difference. I can track my sales to when videos have gone viral for me on TikTok and they do shoot up. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, yeah, I agree with you. And I think what I think like the TLDR of what you just said is that like, don't discount the hard work that other people put in because you don't understand the work that went into it. Just understand that it's not for you and move on and that's that's okay and that's totally okay and like authors who are exhausted at the thought of doing another social media account like you don't have to you You don't don't have to do it and you shouldn't don't force yourself you know i think that there's a certain frustration in the idea that i could be doing better if only i was good at this one thing that i fucking hate to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but it's like but you fucking hate to do it and it's okay to allow yourself that and to not put that sort of like burden on your own shoulders like yeah it's not for you and that's fine it is for other people yes. though and other people enjoy it and like it and get something out of it so that's why i and you know there's been times where like authors who've gotten like huge pushes from their publisher are like social media doesn't matter i'm like baby girl your publisher's investing thousands of dollars into mm-hmm. uh, Instagram ads for you right now. So if it didn't matter, they wouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that. And it's easy for people who have that support to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, think of self-published authors. Think of indie authors. Like, they are incredible at self-promotion. So many of them are amazing at making Facebook ads and Instagram ads and, like, doing these things to promote themselves and to make their books relevant. And I just think it's so unfair to tell all of those people and the people watching them and the people inspired by them oh but that doesn't actually matter um it's not going to move the needle it doesn't make a difference especially after the pandemic to say social media doesn't matter yeah after 2020 when it was literally all we had to me is bonkers like yeah no you're right i i i think like it no i i'm trying to add something but like you really did say it all I agree. Period. <laughs> Next. So, speaking of social media, uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think that people need to do in order to safeguard their mental health when they become part of, you know, book social media world. Um, so, we have a really good quote from Ayana Gray about how to do that. Okie doke. I'm convinced that if you put that energy, instead of being mad, it put that energy into like, okay, that like, let that inspire you. You'll get mm. there. You'll, you'll get oh, to where yes. you want to go. And, and also um, probably be happier and healthier for it. Um, yep. And then, and then, you know, you never know, like one day, one day, those people, those authors who you're like, oh, wow, like you can meet them and, and befriend them and have them as a community if you, if you aren't being spiteful and, and angry because that people sense that too you know yeah for sure put your energy out there so the discussion originally was like about like being 
like living in a spiteful way in a salty way um when you're first joining the industry because like people have a thing that you want right yeah and so you're like reacting to them in a really salty way as if like they're the reason you don't have what you want and so she was like i just think like if you kind of actually let go of that anger and instead put positive stuff out there like maybe in the future you will meet those authors and you'll like make a personal connection with them and they'll actually be your friends but that won't happen if you were like spiteful when you first joined you know yeah this is like something i see pretty often on online um i think it could be really easy especially if you're surrounding yourself with other people who sort of like see publishing through this lens of like me versus them Mm -hmm. instead of like we're a community which you know there's a lot of issues in the book world so it can a lot of times not feel like a community but if you come in with the attitude that like everybody's your competition or like everybody has the thing that you want and the reason why you don't have it is because of them then it's definitely never going to be a community (laughs) yeah i i I, the thing that always baffles me is that without fail there's always people that i see who their initial reaction to others on social media is immediately negative there's no kind of trying to understand trying to gain greater context or even just like the kindness of giving benefit of the doubt it's immediately like you're ruining like you're you're taking this thing that i want or you're ruining this thing that i like now caveat if someone is being racist you do not need to give them the benefit of the doubt right yeah um you're allowed to react to that however you need to react to that in order to safeguard yourself and your mental health however i'm just talking about like you know so- someone you know ta- is talking about their book tour too much right and it makes you salty and so then you subtweet them for like oh some people like don't realize that it's a privilege to travel oh boy and it's you know i i think that it's hard because yeah you are coming at it from a particular lens and you do have um you are struggling with things that maybe someone's not taking into account when they're tweeting but at the same time like one of the best pieces of advice that i ever ever got when i got into this industry um was not everything is about you and not everyone is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you and what that pretty much means is that like we're always going to paint every single conversation we have with our personal lens because we're coming from it from our perspective. Um, But not everyone knows your personal experience. Not everyone knows your story. And not everyone is constantly thinking like, oh no, what will Kat think of this if I tweet it, you know? And and how arrogant of me to think that, you know, everyone should think of my opinion before they tweet something. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of just this idea of being like, yeah, maybe it hurt your feelings, but take a step back. And it did it hurt your feelings because it was wrong of them to say it? Or did it hurt your feelings because you're taking a very particular personal offense to it? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a really good point to make. Um, and, you know, if, if I think it's totally normal if you are feeling down or feeling discouraged to not want to see someone else's good news all the time um I think that happens to everybody from time to time but like the solution there is just like remove that from your space either by not Mm -hmm. going online as much or muting that person for the time being I think it's okay because like 
it's normal to that's something that's like a reminder of like the thing that you don't have to like make you a little bit sad sometimes but like the mm-hmm. thing that you shouldn't do is take it out on that person <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know. It's not like they're stealing your husband. Like, they got a book deal. I'm sorry. Like, it's. What would you do if the world's biggest K-pop idol asked you to prom? Alina Sue and Robbie Choi used to be inseparable until he moved back to South Korea with his family. But before he left, he promised to come back and take Alina to prom. Seven years later, Robbie is part of the biggest K-pop group in the world, and Alina wouldn't be caught dead at prom which makes it all the more surreal when Robbie shows up on her doorstep to keep that long-ago promise. And now Alina doesn't know what's worse, the hate she's getting from Robbie's fans or the fact that she thinks she's falling for him. From the author of the internationally best-selling Gumiho duology comes Once Upon a K-Prom, a hilarious and heartfelt rom-com that brings the glamour and drama of the K-pop world straight to high school. Um, I think it happens pretty often, though, that authors even authors who have the thing that they want we're really good at focusing on like everything but the thing we should be focusing on and I think that that happens like even before you get published it's just I think it's something about like how our creative brain works maybe that makes us more predisposed to sort of look away you know and 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 invent stories and sort of like pour our energy into anything but the discomfort of like finishing the project that we have uh, on our table or in (laughs) our like doc and I think this also happens a lot with like I know we talked about um social media in terms of like um promotion and stuff like that I think it happens a lot with authors like early on now like focusing so much on sort of like the celebration celebratory parts of being an author like not being able to wait for Mm-hmm. the promo and like the the graphics and like all of the stuff which you know I think it's totally fine to do things to um encourage yourself and like push yourself to keep going but I think mm-hmm. that that can like very quickly go down the slippery slope of I'm focusing on the wrong things and like the the only thing that's really going to help me become a better author is working on my writing and um if you're spending all your time thinking of like marketing plans and like doing all of these things that really you can't focus your time on once you have an actual product and a book to put out in the world then there's going to be a lot of things that you are sort of um that you're slacking on uh in terms of your actual craft and i i think that should always come first because you you can't you can't out promote a a shitty book (laughs) agreed a thousand percent it's you know um Speaking of social media, it reminds me of that viral TikTok sound where they go, can we skip to the good part? And then it goes, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because you got to write the book, people. I'm so sorry. You have to write the book and you have to do the steps ahead of time. And and then you can get to the good stuff. But I think, yeah, for me, it's I, I and a core part of the issue does seem to be that people, whether they realize they're doing it or not, is treating publishing like a zero sum game. Like there's only so much success to go around. And I really and we we say it all the time on the podcast. So I really just want to say it again because it's our final episode is I really, really hope that people can move away from that thinking. There are certain things in publishing where, yeah, there's only 
technically one slot like there's only one award winner per year for a lot of the big awards like the hugo or whatever right right um and there's only 10 slots per week for the young adult and the middle grade hardcover list but you know those are not the only ways to measure success and publishing in general the larger world of publishing there's there's it's not a zero-sum game of whether you are a successful author versus like joe you know you know Joe Schmo over there, right? Joe Schmo, um, love that. I don't guy. know. There's a, there's not like a certain well of success given out every year, right? And yeah. then oh no, it's been all been used up. And so I just think it's really really important for us to understand that someone else achieving good things has no weight or bearing on whether you are going to achieve good or great things. Yeah. Um, in fact, the only thing it really could dictate is that if someone like from your community is opening doors, that's a good thing. That's an amazing thing. It means that like there's more like people putting eyes on like the great diversity of stories and like potentially your story now. And so I really hope that people stop looking at it as like they got success. So I won't kind of an attitude. Yeah, you're focused on the wrong thing. You are. Um, but, you know, this actually goes really well with a quote that Clarabelle and I quote all the time on this Ooh. podcast. Um, it's like one of our favorite piece of advice. And I think that like it's really fitting that we listen to it one last time for our final episode. This is from the amazing Holly Black. You know, there's a comparison of somebody is, you know, doing well in, in a way that probably that is discernible. And we feel like, Will we ever have, will we ever do well right like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we all have that feeling. But I think the the thing we have to focus on is how can we, you know, what what is a good move for us? I love strategy. I love to think forward. I like to make a five-year plan. And I think, um, you know, focusing back on our own career is, you know, the only thing we can do. Um, I guess, you know, the other thing is that sometimes envy is great because envy tells us what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you see somebody and they're going on a European tour and you feel a stab <laughs> of, of bitterness and rage, <laughs> rage, I bet you never knew you wanted to go on a European tour that bad. You can't see me, but I'm snapping. Okay, good. I'm glad. (laughs) There's a reason why this is one of our favorite quotes to quote. Um, It's because, you know, it's Holly. Wow. Like, she's a freaking genius to be able to take something that's so universally seen as negative envy, right? And being like, hey, maybe it's motivation for you. I love that. I love that because it also normalizes the feeling, right? Like, it's a totally normal human response to feel that way. But what how you direct that energy is so important. It's Mm -hmm. so important. Because if you direct that energy towards getting that thing for yourself, because you you say like, Oh, that means that I would love that for myself. That's positive, right? Like, you can take this like normal human emotion and like, and use that energy towards something that's going to help you, or you can let it sabotage you. Mm-hmm. Which, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little secret on this last <laughs> episode. There have been a yes. lot of drama on like book Twitter 
that has resulted from jealousy that has been translated to another issue because people don't can't admit out loud i hate this person because i'm jealous of them Mm -hmm. and so i'm going to use that energy to try to fuck up their release date or their career or whatever it is um because i feel upset about them doing well and me not doing well and like that's like a normal thing that happens with like celebrities right like we see that all the time authors are obviously not most of them not like actual celebrities like maybe micro celebrities within like a niche right um but don't use your jealousy as an excuse to hate somebody and especially not to try to make other people dislike them because you aren't willing to admit to yourself that you have that jealousy how much more productive would it be for you to not only be honest with yourself and admit it because that's such a weight taken off your shoulder too Mm -hmm. because like convincing yourself of something that's a lie is so hard and horrible and it makes you get wrinkled like you don't want to look like you're 50 years old when you're 22 you don't and holding that kind of hatred in your heart and that sort of like icky feeling in your heart too and not processing it it's not good for you it's not good for your heart it's not good for you as a person it's okay to say i'm jealous it's okay to say how can i use this to help me rather than fight against something that you already know to be true deep down inside and do everything in your power to make the the feeling go away by like taking away the thing that you are jealous of, right? Because that's what it really is. It's you trying to, someone has like a shiny object, you're trying to take that shiny object away from them, even if it doesn't come to you. But if they no longer have it, then you no longer have to feel this jealousy. And I see that happening so often mm-hmm. in publishing, not only publicly but also in interpersonal relationships and it's very hard because a lot of people put a lot of their heart and emotion into their their books and I understand that but um it can go left really really easily if you're not careful and that's why I just I love Holly's advice because it's so practical it's not denying a normal human emotion and like condition it's Mm -hmm. embracing it and i think that's not only really cool but like sort of like what we do when we write books (laughs) 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 right we take all of this stuff that might be like shitty in real life and we use it to make art so why Uh not take this like quote-unquote bad feeling and 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 sort of make something good out of it I agree. I totally agree. And 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 I also want to like say that like you know, whether the jealousy is born of just like someone you just find someone generally annoying or they have something you you want or even if they did do something to you, like they made you they they made you feel like shit or they subtweeted you or whatever. Like you you um you escalating that in a public way will be noticed and then it turns into this person did something shitty to you to now you did something shitty right right so like don't let that dirt get on you okay yep 
person who did that shitty thing to you, if that's really the type of person they are, they're going to, if they don't change, they're going to dig their own grave. They don't need you to help them. So why get your, why get that stain on yourself? Right? Like you need, like it's the whole rise above it. They go low, we go high, that kind of an attitude. And, you know, I know it might sound corny, but it really is super duper true. One of the things that Clarabelle and I talk about all the time is that is where you're going to put your personal energy into, which kind of encompasses both what Ayana said and what Holly is saying, right? Is like if you're all you're doing is dwelling on the bad stuff that other people did to you to the point that it's spilling over into a public space like Twitter, then you're kind of wasting your time because that's time you can be spending writing your books. That's time you can be spending like with your friends and having a good time with those people who are positive influences in your life. So it's kind of like, why give them that energy, right? Because they're probably not thinking of you. (laughs) They probably did that mean thing to you and care so little about you that they've already moved on. So like it's, I think it's just really important for us not to allow ourselves to be stained by it to get dirt on ourselves because of it because it's just it's really not worth it um and I think like barring someone like um you know doing something that's that's causing you harm like personal harm where it's like you've tried everything and nothing has worked and like you need to bring attention to the actual harm this person is doing in your life. I think that's like the only time I've ever really seen that it it's necessary and become an effective tool to draw public attention. But when it's just like this person was rude to you and you kind of hate them now, that's, I don't know. It, work, work. I, I think we should all do ourselves a favor and work really hard on letting those things go. Yeah, I agree. It's not worth it. And you know what? Sometimes people are thinking about you, but who cares? Yeah, <laughs> that then they're then let them do that to themselves. Okay, we don't need to be reciprocating that negativity. Yeah, they should just admit they love you, and then it could be enemies to lovers, and we'll all be happy. Yeah, the and it'll be like a young adult novel, and it'll be amazing. Period. Um, yeah. Period. Um, okay, so um, I have no transition for this one, but I did really want to talk about it because it's our final episode, which is like the whole something that we're really passionate about so let's talk about it and this is really good advice that comes from our good friend uh our wordy family phil stamper and this is when i decided to switch agents okay so that's always an awkward process it's something we don't talk about a lot yeah i don't think yeah i agree it's really not talked about enough and it's it's also because like we're so close knit. You don't want to hurt feelings. You don't want want it to be Absolutely. you know. You don't want to become like the the diva who's like switching agents every you know year because they don't get a sale. Right. But also like you have to take your career into your own hands sometimes. And mm-hmm. and I was at a point where I um, so I was writing the book that eventually sold um, to Bloomsbury, and I didn't want to send it to my agent. Mm. And that's the moment where I was like, okay, something's off. I don't think we're a great fit editorially. There's something not clicking here. We were at, you know, 50 some rejections, which, you know, for some people is not a lot for me. It was, you know, it was very taxing of course, but you know, we're, it was over a year worth of being on submission. And I felt like I wasn't really 
going anywhere. If you exactly. if you go into a relationship with an agent sort of already having a bad feeling or like with lots of warnings about them or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to understand that you're not doing what's in best interest, not only for your career, but for that book that you just worked really hard on. So they're just they're not going to exactly. do their they're a good job of trying to sell it, then you're probably going to have to shelve it. And that's, right. you know, so. Yeah. Cause you tap, you tap the, I mean, agents are really good at finding the, the ideal editors for it. So if they already reject it, like, and maybe they reject it based on how it was pitched versus how it was, um, versus actually like reading the book or, you know, if they pitched it in a way that like misleads the, age or the editor and what they think the piece is about, then that might just, you know, there are all these little things that like agents do so much and they do so much for literally like no pay unless they sell the book. And, um, it's just, it's hard for them. Like, and I, I I can never be an agent that's just, there are just so many things that they have to do that I could Mm -hmm. not do. And I like, I have total respect for the agent that I left and, you know, all agents really, um, except for the shim agents. Shout out, shout out to them. (laughs) Um. So obviously I've been through in this situation where I've left my, um, my agent. And can I just say, it's really cool to like, look back at the people because like, I'm pretty sure that when I recorded this episode with Phil, he wasn't published yet. Um, so it's really neat to like go back and, (laughs) see like the conversations you had with people who were just starting their career um and who've become really good friends phil is now one of like my best friends who i talk to like every single day Mm -hmm. um and doing great things with his book everybody go pick up small town pride it's an amazing Uh, middle grade book yes um so uh yeah so i'm with my second agent now my first agent didn't work out for various reasons like not only were they not doing a good job but they weren't a good fit for me at all. Um, and I think the thing that people don't talk about a lot when it comes to leaving your agent, cause like, yes, like it could be like, it can stall your career. It could make you basically quote unquote waste a book if it goes on sub and like nobody else wants to touch it. Um, there are a lot of those kinds of like business related writing related things, mm-hmm. but there's also a loss of confidence in, yourself and in the publishing industry as a whole um that happens when you match with an agent that's not the right fit for you and you part ways in sort of like a shitty way um mm-hmm. there was a lot of sort of healing that I had to do after my first I left my first agent because I put my trust in somebody for my career on this thing that I had been working for years on on my own and they didn't do right by me yeah. So to think of like, now I have to do this again. Now I have to trust somebody again with my writing. And to do that is not easy, <laughs> you know? Um, not mm-hmm. only because, you know, it didn't work out and because they didn't do the things that they promised, um, but there are times where you leave your agent and it's amicable and like you split way, like part ways and realize like, oh, it's just not the right match. But like with me, it was very aggressive and traumatic Mm -hmm. and um it was sort of traumatizing moment for me um because I was a new writer and they basically 
implied like do you want to keep working in this industry when I tried to leave and um other sort of like behavior that felt really threatening which Kat knows about because like I don't think you were at the um place where it happened um but people sort of like circle from the agency somebody from the agency circling my booth that I was working at right after it happened the person like the booth where I was at because I worked at a company that went to like these shows I think it was like either American Library Association or something like that and it was sort of out of the way away from like publishers and this person Mm -hmm. kept circling my booth like over and over again and kept looking at me over and over again and like didn't come up to me it was a man first of all so I felt uncomfortable to the point where I had to like call friends to stay with me or tell my boss and my boss was like why does why does he keep doing that like why does he keep circling my boss almost like went up to him because he noticed it too and as an author of color who is brand new to the industry (laughs) to have something like that happen to you shakes you Mm-hmm. so badly like i cannot tell you how awful the weekend that i left my my first agent it took two other established agents shout out to beth Phelan and molly kirhan who walked me through the process of leaving oh. them and had to help me craft my emails back to them because these people did not want me to go but weren't doing it first of all goodbye <laughs> like if you stop <laughs> A business relationship, I'm leaving, right? But they didn't want me to go. They tried to force a sale through at the last minute, which meant I would have Mm -hmm. been stuck with them for the rest of my career if that happened, even though I had to literally tell them this book is my intellectual property and you have to take it off sub right now. Yeah. And they were like, every excuse under the fucking sun. Mm -hmm. But that weekend was so hard for me like I remember crying in my backyard on my picnic blanket like have I ruined my career what is this gonna mean for me we know people talk in this industry so I was like are they gonna tell people that I'm difficult to work with like I'm already a brown woman who sort of like is confident in herself and like trust me people don't treat you well when you are like that because they say that you are expecting a lot and you're demanding and you're all of these things even though I am such a hard worker mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter right there's this stigma that comes with being a woman and being brown and like all of these things are being or presenting as a woman right and I never really cry on this podcast but like thinking of how scared I was oh Clarabelle and it pisses me off like it really pisses me off because like now being in this industry like I would never let that happen to me but I'd be like fuck that but like right like I I know now that I was fine right but like in the moment it was so scary I thought my career was over and like a lot of us have very personal reasons for becoming authors and like the reason I became an author was a lot of people know this because I lost my brother and because it was something that was completely out of my hands and I said my writing will be in my hands the stories I create will be mine and nobody will be able to take them away from me and here were these people trying to do that 
trying to say it doesn't belong to you anymore. Actually, we control it and we're not letting you go. Mm-hmm. And once I left, I was like, did I mess up? Did I ruin my career? Um, and so when authors tell newer authors, newer writers, no agent is better than a bad agent. This is why it's not just about like, oh, we didn't sell my book. Boohoo, I'll move on to another agent. It can mm-hmm. literally be traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. It for can sure. be traumatizing. And it can be a situation where even if you leave them, you're stuck dealing with them for the remainder of your career because they control your royalties. They control the, you know, you, this book that they sold for you if they did. So it's not worth it. And um, I'm so super passionate about helping authors avoid the same thing that happened to me um that you know there have been moments where i just get really upset on other people's behalf and like fight these like shmagents online which i don't really do any i don't do that anymore you know but there have been been moments where it's just like so frustrating because they really prey on people's dreams and when it's marginalized authors it makes me so much harder because it matter because I know how much harder we have to work for everything and then to have somebody because of carelessness or like just downright cruelty threaten us or or threaten to ruin our careers or make us think that we're not going to work in the industry anymore because we we cross them or whatever it's just mm-hmm. despicable right it's despicable um, I agree so sorry that was like a very long answer to that question no, but, but I-, I had a lot of feelings about it I think it's good. I think it's good that you're so candid about it and that you speak so openly about it because I do think that P- I we have a lot of friends who left agents and had really bad experiences too, like not stalking experiences or anything like that, but like experiences that are like, obviously when they tell a story, anyone would be like, that's wrong and unprofessional and uh, unprofessional, but it's also understandable that some of them never want to talk about it because they're like, I just want to move on. I don't have to think about it. So even when there are people who left their agents and will say, oh, I left my agent, they're still reluctant to talk about like why the agent needed to be left. Yeah. Um, And I think that's fair. And it's everyone's individual choice, choice what what is best for them. But I do think like the fact that you're, openly talking about it is helpful because say someone is also going through that and they're like I've never heard someone go through this like am I the problem hopefully they can hear your story and know that like no they're not the problem it does happen to people it's just like not everyone feels safe speaking out about it and it is true that there are people in this industry who wield their power um, inappropriately and you know and it's it's a spectrum of of yeah you know because like some of them do it and they don't realize the implications of it especially if they're a cis straight white person um who is uh being passive aggressive with a like a BIPOC or queer person um because of how that might come across like the threatening way that that will come across like I once worked with a cis straight white person who thought that anytime anyone pushed against them um, they kept on being like you're doing a power play aren't you you're doing a power play 
And we'd be like, no, we just don't think this is a great business idea. Oh my God, that's so annoying. Um, But it made it clear that they were constantly trying to use power plays. You know, you know, like you give up your spot. Right. When you constantly it's think someone else is using yeah. a tool against you. It's like, is it because you're always using that? <laughs> um, so, so they would constantly just do a lot of jibes against... Um, you know, people of color are constantly in front of me. They tried to tell me that a black woman who's very well respected in this industry is difficult to work with. And when I told them that the phrase difficult to work with is really loaded when used against black people, they were like, what? <laughs> you know? So, you um, not? Oh, my God. Anyway. Moving so on. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like it's it's f- possible this person didn't realize that what they were doing was passive aggressive right so that's the that's what we're saying is that like is you know not everyone is it, there's a lot of microaggressions that happen in this industry because people are so unaware of of the like different power dynamics even within like microcosms of this industry so just you have to be able to protect yourself and you have to be able to advocate for yourself um which we always say is really really important on this podcast um because the first you know the first line of advocacy is always going to be yourself for your career and for your work um and you know sometimes you're going to come across purposeful roadblocks sometimes you're going to come across people who are accidentally standing your way they don't realize they're doing it um and it does happen a lot unfortunately it's it's not meant to be scary as talking about this. It's meant to just prepare you because you can be prepared. Uh, we wouldn't be talking about it so on- often and so constantly if there was no hope. Yeah. We're talking about it so much because we truly, truly do believe that there is a way to survive and thrive in this industry um, as marginalized creators. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just... Just protect yourself and don't be in a rush to just sign with any old so-and-so. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I think it's kind of like, um, it's the whole measure twice, cut once thing in construction, right? Yeah. So you just got to do the legwork ahead of time so that when you do, you know, sign on the dotted line, you do make that decision of wh- who to sign with, um, that you really did all your research and you know it's a good fit because you measured it twice. Yeah. Wow, that analogy worked way better than I thought it was going to when I even started it. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Sorry about Okay, um, here's... Okay, let's go into the final stretch. We have two really good quotes, and I'm going to just play them back to back because I think that they go both go into just a very positive mindset to carry forward with you in your writing career. So the first one is from uh, is from Tiff. Tiffany Jackson, who we love and adore. And the second one is from Lee Bardugo. And I think that that's like the most important like part of being a writer is like you are the only person running your race. Like and everyone's race is different. Everyone has a different like lane and track and mountains they have to climb. Or it could be like completely like a whole flat like lane, like nothing. It's nothing for them to get to like the top. But everyone has their own race. And I think that's incredibly important, especially for new authors to know is that, you know, just keep your eyes on your own paper and focus and keep on writing. And I think that was something that I needed someone to hit me upside the head and like tell me that. 
but that's, and for a very privileged few, that will be the case. But for the rest of us, it's going, you're going to have to keep hustling and you're going to have to keep inventing and you're going to have to keep loving the work that you do because it is the business of this business is quite hard. So you have to maintain your relationship with the work and with the words in order to sustain yourself through it. For Luceli Luna, ghosts are more than just the family business. Shortly before Halloween, Luceli and her best friend Sid cast a spell that accidentally awakens malicious spirits wreaking havoc throughout St. Augustine. Together, they must join forces with Sid's witch grandmother Babette and her tubby tabby chunk to fight the haunting head-on and reverse the curse to save the town and Luceli's firefly spirit before it's too late. With the family dynamics of Coco and action-packed adventure of Ghostbusters, Clarabel A. Ortega delivers both a thrillingly spooky and delightfully sweet debut novel with Ghost Squad. Order today at buyghostsquad.com. So true! Yes. I mean, they're both kind of just saying, focus on what you can control. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the book. <laughs> which, which is the, the writing. Book. Which is the writing. It's the craft. You know, I I just think that like it's just so important to understand that like you're the only one. Like Tiff said, you're the only one who can run this race. Mm-hmm. You're the only one that can write your book. You're the only one that can finish it. And you're the only one that can realize the vision that you have in your head. Yeah, it's absolutely so. true. Um, and really good advice from from both of them and you know two authors that are obviously have been around and published way more books than both of us have and um um i mean i think lee (laughs) just had the 10-year anniversary of the first shadow and bone book being published like two days ago or something like that that's wild you know um so that's wild so yeah it's it's actually like there's something both frustrating and comforting about the idea that the only thing you can truly control is your writing, right? Um, because there's a unwritten, there's like an unspoken part of that, which is like you also can't control how your writing is received. Mm-hmm. So like even if you work hard on it, that doesn't mean that it's going to do well. But all you can do is like make something that you are happy with. Um, and obviously, I always say that like. There are skills you can learn and things that you can do with, like, social media that can, like, be helpful if they work out. But, like, you can't control the outcome of anything pretty much ever. So just try to do the best that you can and try to write books that you are truly proud of. Because, like, there's something to be said also for books that, like, maybe don't necessarily immediately blow up, but if they're really good, they find their audience eventually. Um, mm-hmm. that happens often too, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be like an out of the gate blockbuster, but if you look back on your creative career, you want to be proud of the things that you produce. And like, that's yeah. really the only thing that you, that you can sort of like guarantee the outcome of. Um, and it's also fun to like get better at writing right <laughs> to like it really is to like yeah. get lost in your craft and like read craft books and like try to figure out ways to like do things better like that's the fun part of it right like it can be frustrating but it can also be really rewarding and um i do find that the people who are focused on their craft are the ones who 
are doing well, you know, um, not always, obviously, but like of the writers that I've met and talked to, the ones that still worry about like if their stories are good and get really lost in their worlds and are obsessed with their characters are the ones that readers also respond to. Yep. Mm-hmm. A thousand percent agree. I think, you know, we have to hold on to like the pl- the sources of joy in this industry um, because I think like they do exist, but, you know, human nature is definitely to dwell on the drama of things or the negative things. And I think that we need to really start to work a lot harder on acknowledging and focusing on the sources of joy that we do have in this industry or else we're never going to make it we're never going to be those like long-lasting career authors that I think all of us deserve to be and all of us should aspire to be Um, we should be more than one book like you know how Clarabelle was saying like you know Tiff and, and Lee are like goals because of the fact that they've been around for so long and get to have so many different projects and so many different opportunities but that's because they like stuck through it and they persevered Mm -hmm. um so i think that that's just really really important important to focus on yeah yeah for sure okay so the next part of this (laughs) long ass episode um, I'm really excited about this. I mean, it's our final episode. I'm I'm a little emotional about it, but I, I really was hoping, at, um, and you guys delivered, you wordies delivered, um, that some people might write in some little things that we could read aloud. Um, I thought that would be fun to do. So, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go. I'm diving in. I'm gonna read the first okay. one. It's just a comment. Um, um, hi, Kat and Clarabelle. I only started listening to Write or Die earlier this year. Ooh, a new wordy. Um, but I feel as if I've been listening for years. You are both so wonderful and your transparency and insight into publishing and your own writing experiences have been so helpful for a querying writer to listen to. I usually listen when I'm walking to and from work and doing any chores. So you've really become part of my daily routine. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, and I'm so sad the podcast is ending. Oh, we're sorry. Um, I may be crying as I type this. Oh, no. Um, But I'm really grateful that you both set aside your time over the years to help so many writers. I feel as if I know more than I did by just doing my own research. I'm so excited to support you both in whatever your writing careers take you over the years. Lots of love from the UK, Lydia. Oh, yay, Lydia. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry that you started listening and then we were like, anyway, bye. bye. (laughs) Seriously. Um, That's, I mean, it's. It's really great that I'm going to start crying. Okay. It's really great that people feel like less alone and more informed from the podcast because like it it is easy to feel like, "Oh, this is old hat." You know, everyone knows this at mm-hmm. this point, right? Like, don't do this and definitely do this or whatever, right? And and so sometimes when we're talking, I'm like are we boring people (laughs) have they heard all of this already so like to hear this feedback that like we at least helped at least someone be more informed as they move forward in their career actually makes me really happy yeah for sure that was the whole point so we like we did it we did it we did it joe (laughs) 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, the next one is from Geeky Acrylics um, at Sedoster. S E D O S T E R. Um, been following y'all since early PW days. That was a long time. Oh gosh. I'm um, seeing your book news slash successes always inspire me to keep going. Podcast advice always fire emoji. Um, never will forget wearing my ride or die shirt to live pitch session that landed me the best agent. I love that. Um, wish nothing but the best for you, y'all both. Heart emoticon. Oh, I I recognize this handle. They've always been very supportive of us. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. This is so nice. I oh my gosh, early PW days. Ooh. Um, Don't remind me. I was in, I was very cringy. <laughs> Well, it's kind of nice to know that, like, we were along for the ride with this person when they got their agent. That's kind of a cute, yeah, I like that. A cute thing to know. I mean, the store does still exist, everyone. Um, it's, it, <laughs> you can still buy T-shirts. You can still buy T-shirts if you want. I mean, it's it, we don't need you to buy T-shirts, but if you want to, they're there. Beautiful designs by the one and only Claire Bell Ortega. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thank you. Uh, that's that's ador- adorable to hear that. We were there. We were there. We witnessed. Um, okay. The next is from Alex Astor. <laughs> we literally Whoa. was a guest on our show, but I kind of like that our guests actually like us and listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, Alex says, Write or Die got me through the lowest lows of publishing. Oh, Alex. And the highest highs. Every new episode made me weak, made my week so much brighter. The Q&As and chats were my favorite parts. So yeah. And I'm going going to miss the show so much, but it's an honor to have witnessed Clarabelle and Kat's pub journeys. Oh, Alex. I mean, same back at you, Alex. Alex. Yeah, like we... Yeah, seriously. You know, obviously, Alex has a beautiful middle grade series out, um, and her young adult is going to blow up. Like, it's so obvious. Like, she's... Like, talk about someone who worked really hard at, you know, uh, creating a platform for themselves. Alex has definitely done that. Yeah, for sure. We love Alex. Um, okay, uh, next. Uh, while I'm deeply saddened by the fact that Ride or Die is ending, it's so formal. I know. I'm also so proud of you too, Clarabelle and Kat, for creating this wonderful resource for writers everywhere, especially those from diverse backgrounds. I'm pretty sure I started listening before I even had an agent, and now I stand here less than three months away from my book. Woo! podcast has been a resource of a source of entertainment valuable information and even comfort during that entire journey i'm sure there are so many other people who you've affected in similarly important ways best of luck with all your future endeavors and i'll hear you again and again when i come back to my favorite episodes aaron h and i wanted to do a shout out for aaron's book um uh, his book is called This Is Why They Hate Us, coming out from Simon Teen in August of 2022. So definitely check that out. I mean, I recognize Aaron's name. He's also been yeah. a wordy who's been with us since the beginning. So yeah, it's nice. Um, and we should also we should also um, note that Alex's book uh, YA book is called Oh Yeah, Sorry. Um, and it's the first of a series. Um, and let me just see when it's out. Um, so it's supposed to be out August 23rd of 2022, and there's a Barnes & Noble exclusive edition Ooh. as well that you can get. And I'm pretty sure it has, like, an extra chapter oh. in it, like a, oh. an extra romantic chapter. I, so I have seen that. And and if you pre-order we're, – we're just advertising for Alex now. Um, if you pre-order, yeah. you get, like, these overlays, which are gorgeous. And they're 
stunning. They're stunning. Yeah. So that's really that's a cool thing. I mean, pre-order campaigns for me personally are are can be hit or miss because I just don't know where to put anything. But this is like you put it in the book, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's incredible. I really love it. So smart. And um, yeah, everybody go um, get White Lark. Yes. Um, okay, um, so I think we're uh, moving on to the AMA. Now. Yes, we have two Ask Us Anything questions. Um, so I'll just read the first one. It's from Hannah, um, at Hannah Rubies. Hope I said that right. Um, what's been your favorite episode? What are your thoughts and feelings knowing that you inspired and taught a bunch of writers about publishing and the craft? Um, I'm gonna, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick two favorite episodes. Sure. One of them is Holly Black, um, because I just I feel like I learned so much from those episodes, and I feel bad because both my favorite episodes are without Cat, but that doesn't How mean dare that you. anything. It's just that these are ones that like I feel like I learned a lot from and like mean a lot to me. Um, okay. And then the other one I'm gonna pick is um, the first episode with Daniel Jose Older. It's classic. Um, only because. You know, I would. I Daniel just like immediately said yes. I was so nervous, Aww. like, to speak to him, and like, I learned so much. And he was just so like open and honest about things. Mm-hmm. And I, for until the very last sort of interview, I have been learning from people, mm-hmm. but especially in the beginning, I knew nothing. And these authors gave me their time and like trusted me who I was like an unknown person in the industry to like to talk to them and to interview them and it just meant a lot to me um for sure and those are probably two of my favorites that's a good those are good ones um which one uh which ones did I okay well okay I I chose mine based on like how much fun we had recording them um (laughs) that's very fair and so the the first one was with Preeti and oh my God. Um, we were laughing the whole time. We that was just a chaotic. Episode. It was a chaotic episode. Preeti's an amazing um, storyteller because she's done so many different mediums. So like she's mm-hmm. done, you know, middle grade and young adult and comic books, like graphic novels. Like she's done so much stuff. Um, and she she does podcasts. And we got on this like ridiculous tangent talking about the Titanic for really time in her, her episode which Incredible. I mean but I, I it just like it brought me a lot of joy and and I realized that the second episode that I chose um, actually is also someone who works in multiple mediums and perhaps I chose them because I was fascinated the whole time but I really liked our very recent I think actually it was our most recent episode with uh, with Vita Ayala oh my god yeah. and and so we recorded that actually way before it went up um so for us, like the recording process was like a few months ago, but like re-listening to it while editing it and just hearing how smart Vita is, they're just like an amazing storyteller. They've gone through so much in their life and the way they came to writing uh, both in comics and prose was a very circuitous route. And I kind of really love when we have those had those stories on Ride or Die because it's really important to highlight the fact that there's no one set path to get published. Um, mm-hmm. And also just Vita's just such So smart like I loved Listening yeah. to them talk it was just really Fun Yeah Vita's the best um, I also Had a great time with with that episode But like I feel like there were so many Really good and funny ones another one that Sticks out to me that we talked about earlier was um, Taylor <gasps> Oh I love um, that one 
Ah, it was so funny. So Talking about Tammy from Tim Hortons. That, that like, was off the cuff. So great. That we just like made up that story like from yeah. nowhere. Like it was super fun. It was great. No, those I, I love episodes like that. Yeah. Um another one where we like laughed a lot was um was Tara Sam. Of course, yeah. because Tara is hilarious. Like, the most dry sense of humor in the best kind of way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we love all of them. Listen to all of them. If this is, like, you trying to get uh, suggestions of what to listen to, then I say start from the very beginning and and yep. keep going. Work your way through it. <laughs> Work your way through it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, and thank you also for saying that we taught people about the craft. Like, obviously – it, I already said it, but like I'll say it again. Like it's just so important to hear, um, because I love the community in this industry, and Ride or Die has given us a sense of community for sure. Yeah, and it was a lot of hard work. So yeah, it's, it was I'm not you, easy. I'm, I'm glad you fuckers appreciated <laughs> it, because I would have been pissed Ooh. off if you didn't. Okay, well there that, there's that. There there that went. Okay. <laughs> All right, so now now we have something from Maisie Chan. Um, uh, uh, will will there be something where you both work together again? The guests were amazing, but the part which really made it special was you two laughing and riffing off of each other. Um, thank you for having me on as a guest and for putting the time and effort into making the podcast. Oh, Maisie, Maisie was our mentee for um, DB debut. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, won like a really important yes. award in the UK. So proud of you. So Maisie. proud. Um, um, so I don't, the, I think the only way that we would be working on like another sort of podcast thing is if like a network approached us and like paid us money. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Because like, we can't, it's just so become so work. hard now with like, with all of the projects that we have, like this summer alone, I'm on two separate deadlines. I have an anthology coming out in September and my first graphic novel coming out in October. Oof. Um, Kat has like tons of stuff going on too. Like, we're both yeah, I am, and so I am also busy. busy. <laughs> Kat is also busy. We're we're both so incredibly busy that it has to be worth our time. Unfortunately, we need to get paid. Like, we don't really make money off of Ride or Die. Mm. Um, uh, like some some money to like compensate for like time spent editing, but not anything that was like substantial enough to sort of, um help us keep going and i think it would even then it would be really hard because yeah the recording just don't have time yeah we have to record it i think i think what would help is like having sort of a network behind us to do all of the editing and all of the promo and so all we had to do was like get on skype or whatever and talk to each other skype um then i think it would work the bane of our existence um, skype (laughs) but besides that i do we do have like a non-fiction thing that might become something at some point yeah we have other we have had other like podcast ideas that we ripped off of each other the reason that none of them came to fruition is time time commitment yeah. We're, we're very busy yeah. and like the reason why we made this podcast was partly because like we had a lot to say but also partly because like we're writers and but the writing part of our lives is like thankfully taking off and and you know it's so nice but it also just means we don't have time and yeah I, I do f- like I, I we are also sad that we are not continuing write or die it's not like we're like peace yeah. out bye forever um but it's the reality we had to choose and 
we get yeah. paid to write <laughs> we don't get paid to do this <laughs> um so it's been a wild ride <laughs> with the writer die yeah. don't you think <laughs> yeah it sure has a lot a lot has changed since the first episode a lot has changed since the first episode. I mean, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel about, like, how you've changed as a creator and how your career has evolved and all of that? Well, when I started this podcast, I was not even published. Now I have two books out. Um, a third on the way. Sounds like I'm having a baby. A third on the way <laughs> um, in a couple months. Um I'm a New York Times bestseller. I'm an indie bestseller. Yeah. I have all of these things. And the truth is, like, those things are really great. But the things that have really impacted my life the most are sort of, like, the the friendships, <laughs> the friends I made along the way. Yeah, um, the real treasures. Yeah, the it's, it's the thing that's made my life, like, richer. And obviously, I'm so proud of myself. Um, but it's also been really fulfilling to be able to give back to the community and help uh writers who i know how they have felt how they feel and like i i was that person sort of like looking for a podcast to listen to because i was lonely and Mm. felt discouraged on sub or querying and like listening to other people go through the same thing was a comfort and like it has been really great to be able to 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 be that person for for so many authors and so many younger authors who are so important to me like I just feel like it's so important to encourage younger authors and also just everybody but like they're the future of like our industry right and I write or die historically you know historically we have very young listeners and I just think that's so great and I feel really grateful that people came along on this ride with us and have supported us and watched both of us grow and go from like these like really green brand new writers <laughs> to like these established bestsellers and we're very Oof. blessed to be in the position that we are in and um there's a certain sort of satisfaction that comes with going for a dream and achieving it and doing it on your own terms um and doing things that hadn't been done before and sort of watching how you change certain aspects of an industry um it's just really fulfilling and cool and i feel very grateful and happy and like i'm i i know a lot of people are sad that this is the end of ride or die but i really don't want you guys to be sad i want you to realize like (laughs) <laughs> in really crass terms like we're so successful we cannot continue to do this <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it, we're ending it for a joyful reason yeah. in, in a way uh, yes it is it's, it's for oh good reasons gosh. like we're both just too busy like there's just too much going on and like I think that that is that's and that's what I you know I I want for both of us and that's what I want for all of our listeners mm-hmm. for your writing career to be so full and so amazing that like you have to focus on it because like you, you don't have time for the other things sometimes and that's okay but this is what's really important to us the writing is really important to us and I hope we've taught people things I hope we've 
made people think about things, open discussions. I know I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking to authors, interviewing people, having discussions with people and with you um, about all the different things we talk about throughout the years. And I'm just really happy. I feel very proud of like sort of what we're leaving behind with Ride or Die and what it's done. And I, I can't ask for anything more, basically. Like, I feel spoiled and and i just just thank you thank you guys for like sticking by us and listening to us and like allowing us into your ears um and i just wish the best of luck to all of you with everything that you do and if i could like take all of this sort of like love and like good energy that i have inside of me and like send it out to you (laughs) Uh, right now like that's what I'm trying to do like just send you like encouragement and like and like hope and like strength and perseverance and like I know you're all gonna kick so much ass and like I'm so proud of all of you no matter where you are in your journey I'm proud of you and I really hope you're proud of yourself so so Kat how do you feel um with everything wrapping up no, I agree with everything that you said. I think you said it really well. I'll it was it's definitely bittersweet. It's definitely weird to st- think about where we started, um, and the fact that this podcast was started in a weird way because of an, a conversation you and I had um, about like the struggles of publishing. And I think like, but it's kind of nice that you know we you saw a need in me you know for a resource and then you created it which I always just think is like the beautiful thing about you Clarabelle is that you put your money where your mouth is and you put your effort you know where your mouth is and you create these beautiful things for us and I felt I felt super honored when you invited me to be co-host I was like oh really like you want me to like talk to you every single week on a podcast um, and then I realized that we do it all the time anyway. We just don't record ourselves. So might as well. <laughs> might as well just record ourselves doing it. But it did. Okay. I also say it feel, felt, it feels weirdly sometimes like we cheated and just created a thing where we get to like interview our hero authors and ask them to help us <laughs> and give us advice. We sure did. I don't um, care. Yeah. No, but I love it. Like, I mean, obviously it it's supposed to be a resource for everyone, but you know, selfishly, of course I asked questions that I always wanted to ask some of these amazing writers. So that was so amazing and cool and just a great, a great place to build community too, because I think that sometimes it is really hard to find like-minded community. um, But we chose to build one around the idea of sharing your story sharing like your struggle not feeling like you're alone being candid and being mindful you know about how you share your your journey too and i think like all of those like core values Mm -hmm. really are shown in the amazing wordies that we have like every single wordie i've ever met has been an amazing person like so cool and passionate and excited um, so I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for you, Clarabelle. Um, and, you know, I know you said, like, you know, we're we're leaving something behind. But I also think, like, you know, we're not going to stop talking 
about writing, about the industry, about our journey. We're just going to do it more sporadically, like on different platforms. Yeah. But I, I envision us like continuing to talk about it no matter where we are, anytime we're together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's our job. So like we are going to discuss it sometimes, obviously on panels and all that fun stuff but um yeah. on our social media yeah now. um but yeah it's been it's been a great ride I, I can't complain and i feel really good about leaving it at this place right now where yeah. we're, where we're at okay so final as at the end <laughs> do you want to let everyone know where they can find you on the internet clarabelle yeah sure <laughs> so i'm at clarabelle underscore ortega on twitter instagram and tiktok and my website is clarabelle ortega.com awesome and as always we'll have it in the show notes (laughs) what about you hello oh yeah well i'm at cat show on twitter and then i'm at cat show writes w-r-i-t-e-s on instagram tiktok catshowwrites.com is my website um yeah so all of those fun places um yeah it's been an amazing ride and I really appreciate everyone. Yeah, thanks to all the wordies that supported us throughout the years. Uh, we love you. And uh, see you online. Yeah. See you on the flip side. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And don't forget to spread the word.